You are listening to The Mindset Report. Because you want to exercise your mind, think differently, and embrace uncertainty. Your perceptions seek greater acuity, and your emotions seek greater control. Because in order to crush it in China, you must first forget everything you know to be true. Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, welcome, everybody. There's a couple people who are logging on and, and, and trying to get everything uh, working as far as their connection. But as we as we always do, we record these so people in the different time zones will be able to uh, watch it on the replay. So today's discussion is about Chinese consumers. So this is going to be a little bit different than the topics we were talking about before. Uh, we're really going to talk about the cross-cultural context of macro trends with Chinese consumers. And of course, the biggest misperceptions, greatest challenges, common mistakes, and killer tips as far as how do you address Chinese consumers. Now, you should have all received links to a couple, uh, what I call uh, a couple um, things that you can read before uh, before the webinar, and one of those is double-clicking the Chinese consumer. It's a McKinsey report that came out last year. But the real purpose of this discussion and these mindset from a China business webinars it isn't to talk about statistics. It's really to develop a more intuitive understanding for the mindset of Chinese consumers. So those of you who have been listening to the previous webinars, we always talk about attitude, mindset, and approach. And this is the goal of these webinars. So today, uh, I've shared some information with you through the email. Today, we're not going to talk about statistics. We're not going to talk about market size. I think we all know the size of the Chinese market. And more statistics really doesn't help us develop our strategy. Today, what we're going to talk about is what are the attitudes that most Chinese consumers have, and what are the trends of how Chinese consumers think and what they care about. Now, in a mindset for China business, we talk about a lot of different things to help us develop as leaders. We talk about the Guanxi engine, we talk about the essential soft skills that matter, and we talk about this framework of cross-cultural performance mastery where it's through adjusting your own attitude, mindset, and approach that you can influence the perceptions of your partners or your stakeholders and your employees, and in this case, the consumer. What we really want to focus on today is what I call innate development tools. And what does that mean? That means these are the tools that all people have at their disposal. It's your imagination and your curiosity. Okay, so when we talk about the common trends that are happening with consumers in China, it's pretty basic. So I don't think I'm going to be telling you anything that you don't know with this part. There's a lot more disposable income. All right. Chinese, you know, Chinese used to be a culture where everybody just saved. They saved their money, not in banks, but basically in boxes underneath their beds. But the trend is, is more and more, especially young consumers, have more access to credit like we do here in North America. 
And there's also, with all of this disposable income and access to credit, there is a desire for more variety. Okay, so what is the evidence of this? We see this evidence really everywhere, so I don't really need to talk about it, but luxury is a big item. So luxury watches, diamonds, Tiffany's, uh, these are, you can see these luxury stores in any first tier city in Shanghai. And if you look at the financial reports of these companies, the majority of their growth over the last 10 years has really been coming from China. Tourism is a big issue. Uh, Chinese tourists are now traveling all over the world and they're looking for all types of destinations to uh, spend their money. And another trend that you see a lot over the last 10 years is immigration. Uh, a lot of destinations, um, Canada is a big destination, the United States is a big destination, New Zealand, Australia. There's a lot of immigration of wealthy Chinese people, not just trying to get themselves out of the country, but really it's for their children, give their children um, you know, green cards or, or, or residencies in other countries. And this is what is leading to a lot of the macro trends that you see in China today. So it used to be, uh, when I say used to be, I'm just saying like just five years ago, uh, Chinese consumers were starting to consume products, products like the iPhone and the iPad, uh, automobiles. The trend now is Chinese people want more services, okay? Um, it used to be that in, because of the Chinese need for face, Chinese consumers wanted to be associated with luxury brands. So LV bags, Gucci bags, uh, any, I mean, the iPhone was, was really in vogue when it first came out. So everybody who could afford it wanted an iPhone. But now the Chinese phones are now starting to catch up as far as uh, their performance and what they're able to do. So more and more, uh, Chinese consumers aren't as focused on global brands, but they're transitioning to more focus on know-how. And, and how do we kind of witness all of this uh, when we're in China? Well, we see that there's basically a Will's Gym on every corner when you're in a big city like Shanghai. So you can see that Chinese consumers, especially young people, are now more interested in services. Now, for me, I want to give an example. So I taught cross-cultural management to Chinese executives through Hong Kong University Institute of China Business. Okay, So this is kind of like an executive MBA program, and a lot of Chinese executives or aspiring leaders they would take these kind of like executive MBA classes and what they wanted, they wanted more global skills. They wanted more global know-how. And the interesting thing was, is that more than 50% of the people who enrolled in these weekend kind of like executive MBA classes, they paid for their tuition themselves. So it shows, number one, that Chinese are spending money to enrich themselves and they're willing to spend on something that will give them a competitive advantage on a global stage okay so 
when we think about the Chinese consumer, what's really important is what are our misperceptions about Chinese consumers? And one of those is that the average income somehow equates to average buying power. Uh, if you just look at the average income in China, it's still relatively low, but that has really no relationship with Chinese buying power. Okay. Yes, there's a wealth imbalance in China. So a lot of the wealthy people may be pulling the average up, but that's really not the point. In China, because there was a long period of a one-child policy and the way that uh, Chinese culture is, uh, a lot of the people in a certain age group, they have more buying power than what their income would actually predict because they're their only child and their parents would basically uh, give them money to do certain things. And basically, what things do they care about? They give them money so they can actually find a wife and get married. Okay, So a lot of that is the perception of who they are. And, and that translates into a larger buying power than average income or statistics would actually indicate. But the biggest misperceptions is really about Chinese values and attitudes. So what does that mean? Some of these are, so luxury is derived from the Chinese need for face or means. Okay. But on the other side of that, Chinese people also have a greater acceptance for fakes and counterfeits. If you take that in the macro, what does that translate into? That translates into that Chinese people have very little brand loyalty. So when you are marketing to Chinese consumers, it's important to assume that there is no brand loyalty and adjust your strategy to continuously deliver value and develop this Guanxi connection with your end market with your end consumer? What is the value that they continually receive? Another thing about Chinese consumers, it's a very kind of what we call herd mentality. Okay, And that's why it's so important to find the right key opinion leader or movie star or whatever to kind of start using your product, kind of like a Kardashian. And if you can find certain KOLs and use properly use social media to market to consumers, you will experience kind of what a lot of people experience in China, and that is really kind of a herd mentality of buying something that you really don't need just because somebody else is using it. Okay? So as far as Chinese consumers, what are the greatest challenges? I think one of those is geopolitical risk. Okay? So you just look at a couple examples. One is the Korean low-T superstores. So when uh, Korea decided to deploy THAAD, the THAAD missile descent system from the United States, there was a tremendous backlash in China. And the Korean superstores in China essentially had to go almost, I think they may have actually gone out of business because of the backlash. Okay. Uh, when there was a dispute between China and Japan over the Daoyu Islands, or if you want to, in Japan, they call them the Senkaku Islands, there was a lot of media attention on this in China. And 
during that period of heightened tensions with Japan, there was a backlash against Japanese cars, Japanese brands, and even Japanese restaurants. And the ironic thing is most of the Japanese restaurants in China are owned by Chinese people. Uh, but a lot of them received like bricks through the window. A lot of Japanese cars got, you know, scratched or, 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 or bricks thrown through the windows during that period. You might have seen less of that in the first tier cities, but in a lot of the second tier cities and the third tier cities, there was a tremendous amount of backlash because of this geopolitical situation. Okay, so that means that there is still a lot of nationalism in China as far as consumer behavior and consumer mindsets. A lot of this is influenced by, caused by the emotions of Chinese people. And we talked about Chinese circular thinking or circular reason driven a lot by emotions, okay? But a lot of this is also influenced by the Chinese state-controlled media, which means that the government has a lot of leverage, depending on what they want to broadcast through the state-controlled media, on how to influence consumer behavior. So this is what countries at a country level have to deal with for uh, their companies that are selling into China. So it's just for an example. Um, a lot of Chinese state-owned enterprises and government companies for a period of time did not allow any of their employees to use iPhones. So this was state-directed that you actually had to use a Huawei phone. So just imagine how big that market is. State-owned enterprises and Chinese government entities, that's a huge market segment that suddenly was not allowed to purchase iPhones, okay? It's probably during that period because iPhones were doing too well and they wanted to promote their national brands and, and that can happen. And as a company, you just have to deal with it. Starbucks, which is extremely, extremely popular in China, also experienced a backlash. And I remember this myself, because they were slow to accept Chinese payments. I remember I could use Apple Pay at a Chinese Starbucks before I could use Alipay or WeChat Pay. And for the Chinese consumers, uh, there was a backlash for a period of time uh, for Starbucks until Starbucks finally decided to accept all forms of digital payments. Okay, so what are some of the real common mistakes that all of this results in, okay? It's really the common mistake is not understanding Chinese values and how Chinese tastes evolve. That's a common mistake. False stereotypes. So this kind of like what we talked about at the beginning, a low average income does not translate into a low buying power. Your stereotypes of what Chinese consumers may actually think and what they actually may value may not actually align with the reality of consumers on the ground today. And one of the other mistakes that a lot of foreign companies experience when they go to China is segmentation. China is not a homogeneous market. It is very heterogeneous. Depending on when you were born, 
You know, whether you're in your teens or your 20s or your 30s or your 40s, you have a completely different set of values and you have a completely different mindset as far as preferences. And this is very important when you're doing segmentation in China for Chinese consumers. Chinese consumers in first tier cities versus second tier cities versus third tier cities, fourth tier cities, and fifth tier cities and on, they all have a different value system. And, 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 and it's a mistake also for companies to discount the lower tier cities because like a fourth tier city still has over a million people. So these are still large, significant markets in China. So it's a common mistake to really not do proper segmentation. I think the biggest mistake that most foreign companies make when they go to China is missed opportunities. Okay, they think Chinese consumers can accept lower standards of excellence. For example, uh, now Chinese people are really concerned with health and, health and safety because they've experienced some really bad experiences with like tainted children's milk products that, that poisoned a lot of children. Chinese consumers at all levels are now more health and safety conscious. So you shouldn't assume that we need to meet certain standards in our own country, but we can deal with a lower cost, lower quality product in China. If you ever do that and somebody figures that out, you're going to experience a tremendous backlash. Okay. Chinese travel a lot and there's a lot of opportunities around immigration. So I know one of the attendees today is talking about children and teaching and learning English. Well, you also have to keep in mind that the majority of the parents that are sending their children to learn English, they probably have aspirations to also send their kids overseas to the United States, to Canada, to Australia, to New Zealand, to a host of different countries. If you can somehow tie the marketing of your services in with a dream or an aspiration of succeeding overseas, like in the United States or, or some other country, then that will help your marketing. Chinese are also really into recreation, sports, arts, and hobbies, something that you never would have imagined Chinese people in a kind of still communist system would actually value, okay? And the final mistake is children. Children are still kind of what I would say from a consumer marketing perspective, kind of the focal point or the, the it's really the gem of the China market because Chinese people by culture, especially since it was for a long period of time, a, a, a one child policy, they're basically willing to spend anything for their children. So I'm going to do a quick kind of case study. And I, and I do this case study because it really illustrates how a lot of foreign companies misread the Chinese consumer and, and they end up, uh, they end up, with kind of a disaster. So Norwegian Cruise Lines has really essentially pulled out of the China market. And China is probably the largest and growing market for cruises. And what happened is Norwegian Cruise sent their largest, most luxurious Norwegian Joy 
to do routes in China, departing from Shanghai, going to Korea, whatever. And uh, they just announced that they were pulling this ship out of the China market. They're spending $50 million to do a retrofit. And this, and this cruise ship will start doing cruises in Alaska. So why did this happen? Well, what happened was Norwegian Cruise misread the actual market demographics of China. Okay, And at the same time, they misread Chinese consumer behavior. Okay, So what does that mean? So what happened? Well, what happened is the people that ended up attending these cruises were not the discretionary spenders kind of in this, let's just say, 25 to 45-year-old age demographic. What happened is the people who attended these cruises were old people and young people. Okay, If I'm 30 years old and I'm a white-collar, successful business person, I'm not sending myself on a cruise. I'm sending my parents on a cruise. I'm sending my parents to take my young children on a cruise. Okay, So the result was these people were ex- – you know, it's all you can eat on a cruise. So what they incurred was they incurred 5X in food costs because people were just taking everything and they were not eating it. So there was so much wasted food. And a lot of these cruise ships, they make their money back on drinks because while drinks may be, while non-alcoholic drinks may be free during lunch and dinner, you know, in after hours, there are bars that are open that you actually charge for drinks. And they experience only one twentieth drink sales. 5X food costs, one twentieth in drink sales, and also almost no casino revenue. Because the people who are attending these cruises, they weren't there to gamble. So they misread the market. and They misread the behavior of the Chinese market, and they ended up pulling out of the China market spending $50 million to retrofit their, their, their flag Norwegian Joy cruise ship and then redeploying it to a different market. Okay, so that's just a case study. So the killer tips about consumers, Chinese consumers, is, is really this. Chinese consumers is about speed, it's about scale, and it's about hype. Okay. And if you don't consider any of these, you're going to miss opportunities. Another thing that's important and the reason why you have to have key opinion leaders is Chinese really value wit and humor and compelling stories. And that is why luxury brands traditionally do so well in China, because they have like 200 years of history to be able to tell a story. Okay, And it also depends on what you're marketing to China. But Chinese people are very kind of short-term oriented in their mindsets or their mentalities. So it doesn't matter if you create something that has a long-term benefit. You really have to create the perception of an immediate benefit or immediate result in your market. Okay, That will attract people's attention and ultimately that will attract people to purchase or consume your product. There's always 
an undercurrent of nationalism that we talked about. But the main thing that that uh, all companies need to do when they're going into China and selling directly to Chinese consumers is they need to localize, localize, localize. They need to localize everything, not just localize the product or service, but they need to localize the marketing and the marketing message and how that's presented to Chinese consumers in the proper cultural context. Okay. I also wanted to share one more thing today is uh, this is a mindset for China business kind of webinar series. I'm also launching right now what I call a cross-cultural performance mastery series. So the, the mastery series is not out yet, but what you can do is you can actually uh, get the free cross-cultural performance mastery definitive guide. This is something that I wrote up that really talks about all of the essential soft skills and the cross-cultural performance mastery framework that we just kind of touch on at the beginning of these webinars. But you can download the guide. Just go to my personal website, and there should be instructions on how to get the free cross-cultural performance mastery guide. I'm also creating a private Facebook group uh, for um, everybody who gets this guide because I want to get your feedback on how some of the things that I talk about actually work in practice. Okay, so that's the very quick and short presentation on uh, Chinese consumers. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to stop the share screen.